It's Matthew 19. I'm going to start in verse 27. We'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And I'll pray before I continue. Lord, again, as we turn to your word, we're thankful for it. We're thankful for the the ministry that Christ had, for the purpose that he had in coming to give his life as payment for our sin, Lord. And so, Lord, um, I pray for each one here, Lord, that um, they would know you as their Savior, um, that their sins would be forgiven through faith in Christ's sacrifice, Lord. But Lord, as we're looking at this particular passage this morning um, and relating it to our lives today, Lord, I just my thoughts um, help me to make what I'm saying as clear as I possibly can, Lord. And Lord, I pray foremost that it would be honoring to you this morning and that you would be glorified in our time together this morning. So we just commit this again to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to read a statement um, from the convoy. Um, I have no idea who this person is. It was just something that I I found. Um, I'll just read it to you then. It says, hello everyone. We made it to Thunder Bay today. So this is from, from Wednesday. I have a hard time finding words to express the momentum on this convoy. The convoy is 100 kilometers long and growing all the time. The support people have is overwhelming. Coming into Winnipeg yesterday was pretty emotional. The comm radios were pretty quiet because no one could find words to express what we felt. There was people packed on the shoulders of the streets. Cars parked and people for miles and miles on the ring road around the city. The horns never stopped honking. On the four-lane going out of Winnipeg, we thought it was hammer-down time, but ended up driving 5 to 20 kilometers an hour for hours and hours. People had campfires going on the ditches, fireworks, a sprayer with booms out with big thank you, signs on the booms. Crane trucks with booms up with signs, lights flashing and flags, the shoulders of the four-lane packed, with people in cars, overpasses packed with people, tons of families, little kids all bundled up. Everyone was jumping, dancing, waving signs, flags, and flashlights, all in minus 30 weather. Seeing how happy kids are, their smiles, makes you a little emotional at times. This is how Canada is supposed to be. This morning going into Ontario, the support is amazing. 
The laneways, crossroads, little towns, same things happening. Constantly speeding up and slowing for groups of people. I feel like I'm cheering with a, cheating with adaptive crews. When we came to Thunder Bay, they had a big area plowed off, tents put up, big fires, and an insane amount of food. Beef on a bun, spaghetti and sandwiches, coffee, donuts, and you name it. They brought pallets of windshield washer fluid for everyone. Very humbling how kind everyone is. This is what freedom feels like. I felt normal for once, not alone like the last two years. Thank you for the support. It is much appreciated. This is what's happening right now. <laughs> um, and our leader of our country calls this a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. And yet every video, every picture we see has people and vehicles as far as you can see in any direction, packing. And like he's described, every community they drove through was packed. We were in Kekebeka Falls on Wednesday as they came through, and there was probably more people lining the streets of Kekebeka Falls than what actually lives in Kekebeka Falls. Some were afraid that Thunder Bay wouldn't have much response because of being a liberal city. And yet, we saw one video, and we didn't realize it was Thunder Bay until just the very end, but it was showing the highway lined with people parked on the sides. And just at the end, the person in the truck says, thank you, Thunder Bay. I was like, oh, that was Thunder Bay. <laughs> so the response to this, the support for this, I can't imagine what the population of our country is if this is the small fringe minority. <laughs> it must be a larger population than what we realize if this is the minority. And yet, you watch the news or listen to CBC and they're trying to demonize this in every way they possibly can. Even this morning on the way here, we're watching videos and we saw what's happening in Ottawa. We saw the Terry Fox Memorial statue. And yet on the CBC News, they say how it was um, defaced. defaced. You know how it was defaced? Somebody put a baseball cap on his head, a Canada flag on his back, and a sign in front of him <laughs> holding, proclaiming freedom. This is, this is the worst that has happened in this entire thing. I felt in my heart, like through the week, like this is such a huge thing for a country and it has brought people together and it has created a sense of Canadian pride of, I don't know what the word is, but it's, you're glad to be a part of this country at this moment as this is taking place, which has not really happened much in the last couple of years, has it? And so it was on my heart to say something about it. And so I was in prayer about that. And then I read this passage in Matthew, which is ex 
the very next verses from what I was at last week. And it says, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, you may ask how a giant protest in Canada has anything to do with this. Well, maybe not 100% directly. But if we think a little bit, it, the connection becomes much more clear. I know of, and it's hard to keep track now, <laughs> I think there is four families in this church where someone has lost their job due to standing for what they feel God is leading them to do and based on these mandates. Four families in a church of... <laughs> 30 people. <laughs> That's half the families here have had someone lose their job because of this. Because they want to make a stand and don't want to compromise on their convictions. Some of us have had family disown us. My wife's family almost did, but I guess have to some extent come around to completely separate from us and have started associating with us again and letting us come to their houses just to at least some extent. Um, but I know others have practically been disowned through this for the views that we're holding and for not submitting to something that we think is wrong. And so when I look at this verse, this says, everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake. Is it for Christ's sake that we're doing these things? I hope so. I believe it is. Because it's Christ who gave us these convictions that we see there's something wrong with what we're being commanded to do. And we're following the example that we see from the apostles when they were commanded to stop preaching in Christ's name. And they said, we must obey God rather than men. In our Bible study this week, we're in Second John And we get to verse 6. I'll just turn and read it. Second John, verse 6 says, And this is love. And just by the way, how many times have you heard that as a Christian you ought to submit to these 
commandments of man out of love. Right? Constantly. So let's see what the Bible definition of love is. It says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. So this is love, that you walk after his commandments. I want to look at that a little bit this morning. Before I go too far into that, I'm just going to turn to, to Romans 8. I'm going to look at a couple different passages here before we go too far. Romans 8, starting in verse 15. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, just pause just for a moment at that verse. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I believe that if you've lost your job because you can't break your own conscience to follow some of these things that are being demanded of you, you already realize that the sufferings of this time aren't worthy to be compared with what lays ahead. We're willing to lay aside the things that we have in this world for the sake of honoring God. For the earnest, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature, that's you and me, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption under the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption with the redemption of our body. We're looking forward to a better day for a better future. And we're willing to put up with whatever we have to put up with in this life because of that glory that waits ahead of us. And we need to keep that in, in mind and be encouraged with that. And I love... The verse that I can't find at the moment. <laughs> verse 21 says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty 
of the children of God. We have liberty in Christ. We are free in Christ. I love how every time this freedom convoy has been referenced in a news broadcast that I've heard, they've referred to it as the so-called freedom convoy. (laughs) What is so-called about asking to not be forced to take an injection and to cover our faces everywhere we go, to be treated as if we're all sick all the time. And yet, even in one of the cartoons that some newspaper put out showed all the transports with fascist written on them. And we're like, so we're like, Jen, look up the word fascist. It's like a controlling, dictating leader. So us who don't want to be told that we have to do this thing are, are the fascists. There's something twisted, something corrupt in our government system when that's what's happening and that's what's being proclaimed. So I have a hard time holding my tongue any longer in this topic. I'm going to look at... I have Galatians 2 and Galatians 5 as my notes. And there was like one verse in each of them that I was aiming at and I just couldn't pick where to stop reading. Um, But I'm going to turn to Galatians 2 for a moment. I don't know how much I'm going to read here, but we'll start. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. I went up by revelation and communication unto them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. And just in case you didn't follow what just happened in that, those verses, the Jews required circumcision, and they felt it was necessary for salvation. It was a work that was required for salvation, in their opinion. And we know that Christ gave them freedom from the law. I no longer have, we, we know the law is there as a schoolmaster to, to point us to the fact that we can't do enough to achieve salvation. That's, that was the whole point of last week's message. As we talk with the, Jesus is talking with the rich young ruler, and he says, what must I do to be saved? He says, keep the commandments. Which? And he names some. Well, I've kept those. And Jesus didn't even bother arguing with the guy and pointing out how he hadn't kept those ones. And he just asked him, sell what you have and give to the poor. And the guy goes away sad. 
because Jesus has now pointed out his, his greed, his idolatry, his covetousness, the fact that he has broken some of these commandments in ways that he hadn't thought about. And he couldn't do it. He, he couldn't keep the commandments. We can't keep the commandments. And that's the whole point of the commandments, is just to show us that we're sinners. And so the whole message that Paul is preaching is one of liberty, that I'm free from trying to earn my salvation through works, through obedience of the law, because I can't earn my salvation through those things. I can only earn it through faith in Christ. And so these Jews were insistent that... It's Titus we're talking about, right? That Titus gets circumcised. And Paul says, no, he doesn't need to. He has liberty in Christ. There's a freedom from the bondage of the law. And I think you can make a connection to what's going on in our world. We're free from the bondage of the law. We see instruction in Scripture that we are to obey our government and the rules of our government. And I agree that when they set speed limits, when they set seatbelt laws, when they require us to license our vehicles, and they have thousands and thousands of nitpicky rules that we follow. And we're supposed to do that. It's honoring to God for us to follow those rules. But it's not honoring to God if we go against things that God has told us to do. If we stop serving God in the way that he's described for us to serve him as we gather together in fellowship. We can't continue to obey the government when it crosses the line and tells us to disobey God. We do have, if this is the right scriptural thing to say, but we have autonomy over our bodies to decide what happens to it. Our government has no business telling me what I have to do to my body. God, this is the temple of God. And I will preserve it as best I can in as much truth and wisdom as I can. My government has no business telling me what I have to do and what I have to put in this body. And so I see a connection between what was trying to be forced on Titus with the circumcision, and as Paul very clearly states, that there is liberty in Christ and we're free from that bondage. He doesn't need to follow your rules, people. I'm sure these guys could have quoted these same verses from Romans 13 about following the ordinances, right? If, if you're going to love, you need to follow the commandments. Well, God's commandments, not man's commandments. Let's turn over to, to Galatians 5. I'm sure there's more in there that we could look at, but...
look at these talking of this exact issue with the law. Verse 3 says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You're fallen from grace. If you think you can earn your salvation, if you can make yourself right before God by obeying rules, he says, you're going to be, if you have to keep one rule in order to keep your salvation, then you have to keep every rule perfectly for, for your entire life. And you can't. If that's, if you think you're justified by the law, by keeping the laws, by following the rules, you're fallen from grace. Verse 4. It says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Those pushing to force you to do the things that <laughs> he's going to bear the judgment. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would, they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We need to be careful, right? But by love, serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we've, like again I said, we've heard this many times throughout these last couple of years. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and so we should do these things for our neighbor. But let's go back to that definition of love that we saw in First John verse or Second John verse six. This is love that ye keep my commandments. How do I show love for my neighbor? So, what do the commandments say? If I go, I'm just going to assume he's talking the Ten Commandments. That's what was referred to that is fulfilled in the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and, and your neighbor as yourself. He's talking about the Ten Commandments are fulfilled by doing those. So what does that look like? First commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. When we're looking at our world and the situation in our world, they've made themselves gods. And if me being a god isn't, if I'm not important enough, well, think about 
the older people. Think about the vulnerable people. They've created people and our lives as more important than anything, right? We must maintain life and safety over everything, and that's putting ourselves before God. And we can't do that. So we need to, to stop for a moment and consider, are we putting God first? You shall make no idols, no graven image. Well, when we put ourselves first, we're putting ourselves as an idol. We're putting, we're lifting up people and ideas above God and his word. You shall not take the name of your Lord your God, the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and your mother. Now, if we pause for just a second on that one, think of our world and love when it comes to honoring your father and mother. You know, in schools, they don't require your parents' permission for the kid to receive a vaccine. They don't care what the parents say. They don't care if the children are honoring your father and mother. This love is not the following of the commandments of the Bible. You shall not murder. What did Jesus say about murder? We get to Matthew chapter 5, we look at the Beatitudes, and it says, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, if you hate someone in your heart, you're already guilty of murder. I've heard nothing but hatred and anger towards those who won't comply by those who claim to be Christians. I've heard nothing but contempt for the pastors who have stood and refused to close their church at doors. And you read an article about it, them being arrested, and then you read the comment section, and people who are claiming to be Christians are running these people down into the mud. anger and hatred are we following what God's describing as love they're committing murder in their heart based on what you or I or someone else is doing and that's not the commandment of God that's not the actions we're to love our enemies <laughs> pray for those that are against you. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. Stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to me. If you're taking my freedom, you're stealing my... If you're taking away my ability to choose how I respond to a situation. You're stealing my rights. What about stealing our jobs? Stealing our jobs. You're stealing our livelihood. You're stealing our families away from us. 
there is a lot that can be implied or taken into account here. Um, we watched uh, a video of, I don't know where this one came from. Um, someone sent it to me anyway, of a RCMP, is that you? <laughs> An RCMP sniper who was in charge of Justin Trudeau's security, who has quit his job. This was, this was a thing that he put on yesterday um, in the statement that he was making. And he says, when we sign up as an RCMP officer, we're required to make an oath to uphold our charter of rights and freedoms. And this RCMP officer, not some wacko right-wing Christian, this RCMP officer who is in charge of our Prime Minister's security duty. This isn't some wacko. This is right down the middle, upholding the law kind of guy. And he's had to quit his job because I, he says, I cannot continue going against our Charter of Rights and Freedoms by enforcing these mandates that break that code. They're stealing our rights. They're breaking their own laws to do these things. And yet we're supposed to follow to be loving? Where's the obedience of the law? Obey the commandments is how you show love. They're not doing that. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. If you've listened to any news, <laughs> you hear nothing but false witness against people. And I think more importantly uh, is the refusal to allow an opposing opinion to be broadcast anywhere. And as soon as it's put out there, um, we listened to uh, Justin Trudeau's half-brother, uh, went on an inter interview, and interestingly, so this is a Western Standard, I think, was the news agency interviewing him. And he had a picture of the convoy with Kekebeka Falls in the background. <laughs> so we weren't, we weren't in the picture. <laughs> Those that were there, it was just, we, we, you can point like we're right there. <laughs> but, um, and so this is, this is brand new uh, interview. And, and he points out, he says, he, he posted a view that opposed something his brother had posted on Twitter, which really his brother doesn't post, it's his media liaison people, but, but he posted a comment in opposition to that. He's now in Twitter jail for a week. He's been kicked off for having an opposing view. How many doctors, specialists, have been kicked off of platforms for expressing an opposing view? One of the interesting things that some, a doctor commented recently was anytime, if you have a serious illness, 
most of the time in the medical field, they will tell you to go get a second opinion to make sure that you're being diagnosed properly. But they're banning any opinion other than their own in this entire scenario. They are bearing false witness by withholding information. Thou shalt not covet. I don't think I need to expand on that at all, but if I look at the definition of love from Scripture that says keep the commandments, and I compare the two camps in our world right now, I think those who are being accused of not loving are actually the ones following the scriptural definition of love to a greater extent in any case. Now we need to be careful not to spread false information. We need to not just take everything that comes across our screen on our phone and just share it not knowing whether that was a true statement or not because you become guilty of the same things of sharing false information. We need to be careful not to speak ill of people and individuals because of having an opposing view from what we have. We need to not deride people because they've done something that we don't think that they should have done or that we don't think that we should do. We should allow people to have different opinions. We should allow people to express themselves in these different ways without breaking God's laws, without breaking the Ten Commandments in the way that we respond and interact with those people. Both sides can be guilty of this, but I think the one side with the mandates and the enforcement is more guilty of breaking these laws. And yet, they're pointing their finger at us who aren't wearing a mask or aren't taking the vaccine as being unloving for not doing these things. And I'll tell you, I care deeply. And I'm very concerned about making anyone sick. When we walk out the door, and it feels like every time we walk out the door, it's like, is that a sore throat? <laughs> Do I have a runny nose? Do I feel hot? <laughs> it's like, you almost, you do this self-evaluation every time you get in the vehicle to go somewhere where the other people are. Because I don't want to be guilty ever of spreading diseases and causing someone to be ill or, God forbid, that they should die from something that they got from me. I care very deeply about that. But blindly following an experiment and taking part in an experiment shouldn't be a requirement in my life. Me treating myself, like evaluating myself, good thing to do. But treating myself like I'm constantly sick, treating everybody around me like they have the plague, every person all the time, is a very evil way of treating people. The, the scripture talks about quarantine when someone was seriously sick. There, this whole leprosy thing and 
put, they had to be kept apart from people. They didn't want to spread these diseases throughout the community. But you would evaluate the person as to whether or not they were sick. <laughs> and if they weren't sick, then they didn't have to isolate. You didn't have to continue treating them like a leper if they didn't have any signs of leprosy. I think we should be careful. I think we should consider others in, am I showing symptoms of being sick? Am I, have I been around people who we know were sick? Am I carrying something knowingly around with me and causing others to get sick? Well, let's not do that. Let's be careful. Let's be considerate of others. But let's not create a world where we don't see anyone's facial expressions, where a child doesn't know if an adult is smiling at them or not, because that smile can look like a glare. <laughs> and can look like anger as easily as not when, when the whole face is covered. We lose a sense of identity and interaction when we do those things. I'm not saying we should never wear a, a mask. I'm not saying it's wrong to put it on, but I'm saying always wearing it and in every circumstance. For two years. For two years straight. Um, when we go to the reserved to get gas. I, I haven't paid attention, but over a year ago, um, on the plexiglass that they required to have up between you and, and the servers, they have a sign that says masks are mandatory. But under that sign, it shows the results of a study of all the bacteria and the mold and the diseases that are carried in by wearing a mask for extended periods of time. Um, so without saying it, they're saying, if you don't want to wear it here, we're not going to say anything about it because we understand that there's, there's adverse effects from doing, complying with these things and, and we can be creating more problems. Um, I, I should stop. <laughs> the, one of the things that bothers me the most is when our top doctors and whether you look at the states or Canada, early on in this, before the masks became mandatory, they were very adamant that masks were not going to be effective and that we're not using them properly and by touching them all the time and touching them on our faces, we're causing more spread of disease by doing that than if we weren't wearing it. And yet, within weeks, they're proclaiming that we must all wear masks, this is what's gonna save us. There's something wrong. Our fire department, we did a training of how to properly put on and how to properly remove a mask. And in what order, when I've got my gloves and mask and all these things, what order do I remove all this stuff and how do I touch it so as not to contaminate myself and spread more disease? Well, they certainly have been training the public how to do that. And when we have them hanging on our mirror in our car and we pick up the same one every time we walk in and out of a building. We're, we're not doing, there's some deception going on in this whole system. And so when we call this out and we're called hateful and disobedient because of it, 
there's reasons for our disobedience, right? We, we're allowed to have questions. We don't have to blindly follow every mandate that's put before us. We can look at Scripture and see we do have some liberty. <laughs> Obedience of the law is good when the law is good. But when the law is evil, and I can't remember, John Sabolta, I mentioned that passage in Psalms where it says when they, Psalm 94 somewhere, but when they order mischief by a law, we don't have fellowship with that. There's something wrong when they're ordering wrong things by laws. And the scripture is, gives us enough freedom to look at our world and choose whether this is something that, do I just follow this because scripture says I should obey the laws? Or is this something that actually is harmful and I should not obey? Um, anyway. Back in Matthew 19, just to close with that statement. It says, And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake. Don't just do it because you're stubborn. Just don't, don't not because, you know, you just refuse to comply. Like, it's, that shouldn't be our heart. It should be, I want to honor God in the way that I live. And if this is the result of it, so be it. It says, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. There's a reward for holding to your convictions, to trying to honor God with the way that you live and looking at these things. So let's pray.